great to see you this morning. I just um, I, I need to need to ask a little bit of a, a bit of a favor from all of you, because um, and it's it's an awesome thing that I'm asking you this favor, but it's also a scary thing because, um, it's been over, been over nine weeks since I've preached now, because I haven't had a single chance to preach at youth because I have young people coming out my ears asking to preach at youth. So like I have had young people on top of young person, on top of young person asking to preach. I've filled up my next term for the start of next year with preachers. So I haven't preached for like nine weeks. So I'm like really energetic and really keen to get into it. So if I'm a bit all over the place, just forgive me. You'll just have to just have to help me bring, bring me back down from bouncing all over the stage. Is that all right? Can I ask that favor? Cool. Awesome. I mean, I, um, I like to think of myself as a positive guy, a happy guy. I, um, I try to be as happy as I can, and if I'm not, then it usually doesn't last very long, um, and then I'm up to my usual shenanigans, much to my wife's um, displeasure sometimes when she just wants to chill and watch a movie, and I'm all over the place. But um, I like to be a happy guy because we don't know when our last day is on earth, right? I mean, it could be tomorrow, it could be a few years from now, it could be 70 years from now. Um, because it, life is just so short. Am I right? Like, who here that has been old enough that it was just yesterday that you were in school? Like, I mean, see, there we go. I, perfect. These guys, it was. You guys, it was as well. I love it. It was just yesterday. It seems like that. I mean, it was yesterday. It seems like just yesterday that I got married. This year has flown by. And my parents always used to say, it was just yesterday that I was in school. I wish I could go back. Is there anybody that also wishes they could go back to school? No? Wow. It's just me. Dang. I remember having recess and I could catch up with my mates every day. And recess was planned. I didn't have to go make lunch myself. It was already there for me during the day. Well, I did make my lunch before I went to school. But it was already all there. I mean, I remember just yesterday, I was eating dirt and playing with action men. Like, life goes so, so fast. And I mean, it, it goes fast, but it also goes longer these days because we've got modern medicine. So a common cold doesn't do anything too much to you anymore. It's a bit annoying for a few days and you've got to gotta stay home and watch Netflix and eat too much ice cream. But y- your life's extended because we've got modern medicine. And back in the day of Jesus, you get a common cold, start building a coffin. If you've got a runny nose, start building your coffin. If you've got a prickle in the wrong way, start building your coffin. We've got a similar situation these days. Um, I haven't quite yet experienced it. I'm not on the one-year mark, but um, if you forget your anniversary, start building a coffin. Um, But you see, back when Jesus was around, life was pretty fleeting. Like, if you went for a walk to the shops, you could not guarantee you'd come home. And one such character, now this isn't in the Bible. You can search it if you want. If you're young enough to know what Horrible Histories is, it's um, a TV show. Give that a watch. It's on Horrible Histories. But, um, 456 BC, there was a playwright called Aeschylus. Now, Aeschylus was quite a well-known playwright, and coming back from the theatre one day, back to his home, after he just had a day either directing or we don't know if he was directing. Oh, have we? I just don't like speaking like this because you can't see my words. Um, Can I have the mic up just a little bit? Thank you. Is that better? Awesome. So Aeschylus is walking back from the theatre, back to his house, and he notices in the sky above him is an eagle. And this eagle's flying along. And normally when we look up and see an eagle, we're filled with wonder and awe because it's got this giant wingspan. It's beautiful. We love it. And we've got wedge-tailed eagles over there. But over where he lived in Greece, they had an eagle flying by. And he thought it was lovely. Continued on his day, continued walking. What he didn't realize was what was in the claws 
of this eagle. The eagle had a turtle in its claws. And what eagles do when they have a turtle in their claws is they drop it from a height onto a rock to crack the shell so that they can get at the eagle. Now, I think some of you can probably predict where I'm going with this, but he had an eagle in his hands. And a shieless turtle in his hands. He ha the eagle had an eagle in his hands. Yeah, Tim, I'm going. Goodbye. But he had a turtle in his hands. And a shieless was a guy that had a bit of a friar tuck haircut. So he had a bald head and just the hair around the side. Not a very good haircut. The other, uh, about a month ago, I got my hair shaved off because um, I did it, for, did it for youth. Good cause. But um, I thought they'd do that to me, but they didn't. But he had this haircut. And the eagle mistook his bald head as a rock, dropped the turtle from a height, which killed him on impact. The turtle was fine, and he walked off. So a warning to men that are bald. Start growing some hair, because you might get hit by a flying turtle. <laughs> That's why I'm growing my hair back. But you know, life was just so fleeting. And because of flying turtles and the common cold, whenever people went on a long journey of any type, they would wear these strips of linen around their waist. Now, if you look back in history, these strips of linen were known as burial cloths, or they were death cloths. And it was either linen or just a clean cloth that you would wear when you went for a journey. So a long journey, if you had to walk from one town to another, you couldn't guarantee you'd get there. So you would wear these strips of cloth around your waist, and this was in case you passed away along the journey. So if you passed away, if you got bit by a snake, stepped on a pebble, um, got hit by a flying turtle, you'd have these strips of cloth and when you passed away, your companions would wrap your hands up, wrap your feet up, and they'd wrap your head up. Now, this was to dignify you in death, and this was so that they could take you or they could place you somewhere where you wouldn't get eaten by something along the way, or they could take you back to your family tomb because you weren't, in Jewish culture, you weren't just buried on the side of the road. You would be buried in your family tomb, and that was, that was the correct way of doing things. So if you died along the way on your journey, you'd be wrapped up in these strips of linen or these strips of cloth. And these were your burial cloths. So most people took these when they went for a walk. Now, a great example of this, and this guy didn't have them on him, but it's a great example of the burial cloths, is John 11, verse 38. If we could get that up. And it's just, it's the account of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But we're not focusing on the miracle, although it's an amazing miracle. We're just going to focus on the end part. So we'll just skip down to verse 41. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now this cloth that's mentioned, this was prepared by his family. This was prepared by his sisters instead of being prepared and taken with him so that it could just be wrapped around him upon his death because he was close to his family tomb when he died. But ooh, we're going somewhere with this. Got some in input. But um, if you died along the journey, you would have taken it with you. You wouldn't just have had it wrapped by your family. You'd take your clothes with you. And this is definitely the case for Jesus and Mary, for Joseph and Mary. Dang, I'm all over the place this morning. See, I told you, nine weeks, that's what it does to you. But for Joseph and Mary, they would have taken these cloth wrapped around their waist on their journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is about 129 kilometers. So it was quite a walk. Would have taken them a few days, possibly even weeks, since Mary was pregnant and on a donkey. 
So they would have taken these cloths with them, which means at the birth of Jesus, they would have had these cloths around their waist, or at that stage, they probably would have taken them off because they were stationary. And that's where we're going to pick it up in the story of Jesus. I mean, it's pretty fitting around Christmas time. We're going to read the story of Jesus' birth. But if you need a title for today's message, and this is we're going to pick it up and we're going to learn about the hidden message of the burial cloths. So we're talking about the hidden messages of Christmas. And if you are a note taker, then my title for today is the hidden message of the burial cloths. Is that cool? So going from Luke verse 2, Luke 2 verse 4 to 7 says this. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who he was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, as we learned last week, if you were here for last week's message, that's awesome. If not, the podcast is up. Make sure you give it a listen. We learned that Jesus was born in a manger. And what they mean by that is a ramshackle stable, or moreover, it was a cutout in the side of a cliff, in the side of a hill. And it was just a place for animals to take shelter from the weather, to take shelter from the elements. It wasn't a nice stable. It wasn't, was likely not a very nice stable with a roof and a clean feeding trough that Jesus could be born in like we think. It was more likely just a ramshackle place that would have been dirty. It would have been disgusting. The hay wouldn't have been nice. And it would have been dusty. And hence, not the best place to bring a child into this world. And the only clean cloth that Mary and Joseph would have had, because there wouldn't be any in the manger, any in the manger, in the stable, and their clothes wouldn't have done, the only clean cloth they would have actually had, it's believed that Jesus may have been wrapped in their burial cloths, the cloths that they would have had around their waist in case they died, because that would have been their cleanest cloth, especially if you're going to bring the Son of God into this world. You don't want to be wrapping him in something dirty. They would have wrapped him in the cleanest, the best cloth they had, which is likely and believed that they wrapped him in the burial cloths, the ones that they had around their waist. And if that's the case, then this is a fantastic foreshadowing that Jesus died in the same clothes that he came into this world in. So he started his life in the same burial cloth that he had finished his life and fold up at the very end. Now, that's not just awesome foreshadowing. If you like your literary devices, that's also a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful symbolism that Jesus came into this world with a purpose. From the start, he came to die for us and to bring us into an intimate relationship with God. Because up until then, we couldn't, we couldn't work our sins out. We couldn't pay for our sins. So Jesus had to come as a babe and die for us. And I think that's just fantastic. But more than just literary devices and symbolism and foreshadowing, I think that speaks immensely into our purpose. Because Jesus, he came with a purpose. He started his life with a purpose. He didn't come and then learn the purpose. If what we're led to believe that he was born in the same cloth that he died in, in this burial cloth of his parents, then he came with a purpose and he started with the purpose that he was going to die and provide hope for the whole world. And if he came with a purpose, then I think it's just fitting that today we speak into purpose in our life. 
And I've got three points. If you don't get anything else from this message, I'd love you to take these three points away. And they're up there right now. But purpose precedes plans. Or more for us, your purpose needs to precede your plans. And the second one, purpose precedes personal cost. So your God-given purpose needs to precede the personal cost to achieve that purpose. And lastly, purpose requires obedience. You can't achieve your purpose unless you're obedient to that purpose. So Jesus came with a purpose. He came to die for us. He knew what he had to do in between, but ultimately had a purpose that he was going to achieve, and he did achieve, as we know. Lucky for us. But see, we make plans every day. Has anybody got a plan for this afternoon? They're going to the beach. We're celebrating this awesome dude who, we had baptisms the other week, and I'm really sorry that I completely forgot to share, but when we had the baptisms just the other week, we also had a baptism the weekend before when we went to the leaders retreat. One of our leaders, Tom, just came on as a leader and got baptized at the leaders retreat down at Cape So how good is that? Glory to God. But I'm going to the beach. I've got plans for this afternoon. Now I've got short and long-term plans. I'd love to build a house. Does anybody else want to build a house? Any young people? Cool. Anybody building a house? Awesome. Love it. That's great. But we've got short and long-term plans. And plans to build a house, buy a car, earn money. Plans to have a wife, have kids. Plans to see the world, go traveling, retire. I mean, Jesus, he also had plans. Plans to go all over the Middle East. Plans to go to Capernaum. Plans to go to Nazareth. Plans to go everywhere. He had short and long-term plans. But in everything Jesus did, you'll notice... He knew exactly what he was going to be doing. He had a purpose for his plans. When he rocked up, he didn't just all of a sudden not know what he was doing there. He didn't just fret. Because Jesus went into everything that he did with a clear purpose. And his purpose was to bring hope to the world and ultimately to die for the world. But his purpose preceded the plans that he made. And we have a purpose. And I believe that each of us have the exact same purpose. And I absolutely love what Rob Pitt said because it is exactly what I was thinking when I wrote this message. And it just blew my mind that he said it. He says, the most important thing we can do in this world is bring people to know Jesus. And I believe that that's also perfectly spelt out in the Great Commission, which I believe is our purpose. And the Great Commission, does anybody know the Great Commission off by heart? (laughs) Cool. I've got, I've got the Great Commission. It's just going to jump up on the screens. And if you'd like to read it out with me, this here is your purpose for life. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is going to go and do this ex- the exact same way because God made us individually different. Every single one of us is different. And the way that we achieve this purpose is different. So we're going to read it, then we're going to continue on. But if you'll read it with me. So it says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Every single one of us have different gifts. If I tell Beck that it's her job to come up here and preach today, and that's how she's going to get that done, she'll probably faint and run, because that is not the way that she works. If I tell Steve that his job's to get up here and worship lead today, we'll run. (laughs) But the same thing goes, this young man here, Tom, 
I know that the way that he's going to achieve that purpose isn't the same as me, but he is an encourager and he is someone that lifts people up and loves on people. I know that Jess in the front row here, her job here, she loves to help people out. And the way that she's going to achieve that is not the same way as the way that I achieve that. But we each have this purpose, and it's to go and make disciples of all nations, to go and let people know that Jesus loves them, to go and bring people into a relationship with Jesus. And my challenge is at the start of the day when you wake up and make your plans, or you plan for that holiday that you're going to do, or you plan for that picnic, or to buy that house, was this in your mind before you made the plan? Is your purpose for your plans to go and make disciples? Because Jesus didn't say, go have a picnic and buy a house, go earn money, get a job, live a stable life. He did say enjoy creation, so a picnic's a good way to do that, but this is our great purpose in the world, go and make disciples of all nations. And if that's not coming before our plans, what are we doing? You can't fit Jesus into your life. Your life revolves around Jesus. I'm afraid you can't make your plans and then fit your purpose into your plans. You've got to get the purpose first and then fit your plans into the purpose that God's given you. Jesus isn't a jigsaw that you put in at the end. You start with Jesus. You start from your purpose. You start from what am I, how am I going to make disciples today and go from there. It's my challenge today, this week, this month, this next year, this life that we've got. Are you putting your purpose of making disciples in this world first? Or are your plans coming first and then you're thinking, how can I make a disciple out of my plans? Is that cool? Awesome. We're going to go to the second point. Does anybody remember what that is? Somebody take notes. Purpose precedes personal cost. Now, I love the start of the story and I love the end of the story of Jesus. And it's a gruesome one that he had to die the death that he died. But, you know, that was his purpose. To die the most awful death so that we could have life everlasting. He was born to die for us. He started his life. He came into this world saying, you know what? I'm going to wear the same clothes that I died going to die in. I'm going to come into this world just so that I can die for you all. And that there is awesome. But the one thing that you notice is that Jesus did die. And the personal cost to him was massive for him to achieve his purpose. And you go all throughout the Bible and you are going to find stories of massive personal costs to get the gospel out. Massive personal costs to love on those that are in power. Massive personal costs to spread the good word of Jesus. Stephen, the first person to die, the first martyr in the Bible, the first recorded one, he died so that he could achieve his purpose. Paul died so that he could achieve his purpose. There are others that are stoned. There are others that are persecuted. There are others that go through so much pain so that they can achieve their purpose. And my question is, are you willing to achieve your purpose despite what it might cost you? Because God never promised us clear skies. He never promised us the easiest way through. In fact, it says being, having faith, being a Christian, is going to hurt. It's going to suck. But are you willing to go through the sucky times so that one person can come to know God? 
Comfortable isn't the way that I would describe Jesus by any means. If he wanted to be comfortable, he never would have got up on the cross because I can bet your bottom dollar that was uncomfortable. If you're getting comfortable, if things are getting too easy, if there's no personal cost, then are you achieving the purpose that God's given you? Now, I'm not saying that all the time it's going to be hard because sometimes God's just going to give you a breezy time with it. But are you willing to drop all of the thoughts of this is going to hurt, this is going to suck, that's going to hurt this relationship so that you can make a disciple, so that you can get them to the point of being baptized, so that you can teach them to obey what Jesus said. Being Christian hurts. It sucks sometimes. I've spent nights after youth just getting home, back to sleep, and I'm in the hallway crying because it hurt. But then getting a text later in the week saying, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm, it, it's working. I found God's love. There is a great personal cost to being a Christian and to achieving the purpose of making disciples, especially in today's society, because people are going to ridicule you for it. But are you willing to go through that personal cost? Are you willing to forget that it's going to be there just so that you can achieve the purpose that God's given you? Is that cool? And the last one, so there was purpose precedes your plans. Purpose precedes personal costs. And the last one is purpose requires obedience. Now, I bet Dan Powell didn't think he was going to get messed, didn't think he was going to get mentioned in my message today, but I've worked with Dan Powell a few times, a number of times. And I've noticed that um, if he tells me to do something on a job site, that's the way he wants it done. <laughs> so if he says, Tim, you need to do it this way, that's the way I've got to do it. Because he has a purpose for the homes that he built. Oh my gosh, he built some lovely homes. Like I've seen the, the end point. Awesome. But anyway, there's a purpose for the homes that he built. And that's for them to be structurally integral for the family to have a roof over their heads that they love. And if I don't do it the way that he's asked me to, if I'm not obedient to the way that he says, this is the way you need to achieve this job, then I'm skipping out on the purpose. And I'm making that part not structurally integral, and it's not achieving the purpose that he's given me. You know, but the same way it goes for our relationship with God and our obedience to the purpose that God's given us. Are you listening to the way that God's saying that you need to do something? Are you going out and discipling or loving on that friend, even though it might suck? I mean, sometimes it is easier not to have a chat with that work colleague because you know that work colleague is completely against faith. But you know that work colleague also needs faith. Sometimes it's easier for us to ignore that person who's hurting because you know that you're going to have to put so much time and effort into them to be able to get them to a place where they have faith and they know God. Sometimes it's easier not to help our school friends, young people, because it's like pulling against the brick wall. You're not going to get anywhere. You can't play tug of war, tug of, tug of war with a wall. Gee whiz, all over the place. But you know, the thing I've learned about obedience is that when you're obedient, when you are obedient, good things come. When you are obedient, sometimes it might hurt for a little bit, but in the end, it's going to be all right. Sometimes it's tedious, tough, painful. But everybody knows that verse in Jeremiah. I hope all of you do. If not, 
then I'd love to make sure that I get a Bible in your hands and highlight that verse, circle that verse, put a tab on that verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. See, if we're obedient to the call of God, to the purpose to make disciples of all nations, everything is going to be all right. But more than that, it's not just to prosper you, it's to reward you greatly with eternal life and with blessings from God. Because God gives rest to those that work hard and that are faithful. I mean, it's perfect when you're serving. Best analogy, when you're serving on a team and you disciple that person, when you love on them, and they end up stepping up in their game so that you can step down in yours and focus on other areas. When we disciple and when we are obedient, it is going to be all right in the end. And it's important to know as well, we are humans. We make mistakes. We question God. But so did Jesus. He came with a purpose. He came from the very start of his life with a purpose, but he still questioned God three times in the garden. Three times he said, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Three times he questioned, three times he asked not to be the sacrifice. But in the end, ultimately, he said, Not my will be done, but your will be done. If I could have the band up, that would be awesome. See, God knows we're fallible. God knows we make mistakes. But when we are obedient to the call of God, when his purpose for making disciples precedes our plans, when we're, willing, when we're willing to ignore the personal cost so that we can go and love on that person, so that we can talk to them about God, in the end, everything works out for our good and everything works out for the kingdom of God. Now, I'd like to finish with a challenge and a story, if that's all right. And my challenge to you is simply three things up there. In this next week, start with that, baby steps. Then let's go the next month, then the next year. Before you make your plans for the week, consider the purpose God has for your life. Now, each of us pursue that in a different way. If you're working in a trade, you're definitely going to pursue it different to if someone's working in theatre. But are you achieving that purpose before you even made your plans? Are you pursuing that purpose before you even made your plans? And are you willing to undergo personal cost? Are you willing to ignore the personal cost just so that you can achieve the purpose that God's given to you? And are you going to be obedient? When God says, your neighbour needs love, but you know that your neighbour's an atheist and probably going to tell you to just get out of his house or get off his property when you go to just talk to him about God, are you willing to just be obedient and do it anyway? And that's my challenge. And I'm just going to finish with a story if the band would just like to play it. Um, I'm glad my mum isn't here because she'd have a heart attack if I told this story. But it's a story just to let you know that God's got your back and he is not done with you. He is not finished with you at any age. If you're a young person, you can pursue the purpose better than ever. If you're an old person, you can pursue the purpose better than ever because God is never done with you and he is never done with letting you pursue the purpose and having you pursue the purpose. And the only time that he is done with you is when you're up with him in heaven saying, good and faithful servant. But the story goes like this. For two years, I worked as a tree lopper up until just before Christmas last year. 
and um, I quit due to some personal reasons and just the reasons that were going on but I was a tree lopper I enjoyed the work and um, if you know anything about tree lopping it's dangerous if you're not smart if you just focus on what you're doing and you do everything to the correct protocol it's like anything if you do it correctly you will be okay you're going to be fine but working as a tree lopper um, I became the number two at the company rose very quickly to become the number two in a year um, and I was a climber, so that means I climb up to the top of the tree with my ropes and my little chainsaw and I'd cut the trees down from the top down. Um, but working as number two, it meant that I could suggest people for hiring to the boss. And uh, my big brother Nick at the time had just left his job, so I suggested bring Nick on. He's a hard worker, good worker, and he did. It's a shame Nick's not here today, he's meant to be playing drums, if you're wondering why there's no drums, but you can't play drums with a migraine. Um, it's not very good for the migraine. But I suggested Nick, and the boss was like, cool, let's do it. Brought him on. First day on the job, mum says to me, you make sure Nick comes home all right. Now, I didn't get that on my first day, which I wonder why, and I think it's just because I've got a few more brains in my head, but <laughs> now I'm glad he's not here. <laughs> but first day, he comes along, and I tell him, dude, you're all good. We work safe on this work site, and... You just you do what do what you're told and the way that you're told to do it and you'll be okay. Now, um, in the whole time I've, I was at that company, I saw two injuries. None of them severe. All of them very quickly recovered from. And um, first day that we're working, now I'm going to use this microphone as my tree, okay? We were working on a ghost gum down near um, Delkeith and the ghost gum was around 45 to 50 metres high. It was a huge, huge tree. And um, we're working on the tree and we had, Jono would know Shane, we've got a, we had the WA's best tree lopper working with us for this job because it was so big. And Shane's working on this side of the tree. Now when you're working on trees, the tree lopper can be cutting and dropping stuff if he's on the other side of the tree to you. So he'll just drop to this side and you can work on this side because physics means that it's not gonna come round and hit you. That's how it works and you're very safe. So he's on this side dropping stuff and he's a very, very qualified, very professional tree lopper. He knew how to do it. And me and Nick are on this side. I had a chainsaw in my hand and I was cutting up these branches on the ground so that we could, that he'd drop big branches, I'd cut them smaller, we'd put them through the chipper. So I'm cutting and Nick's dragging and as he um, cut one of these lengths of log, now I'll just quickly show you how big the log was, it was about so a reasonable sized log, um, one that you need basically two people to pick up, but if a log of that size drops from a tree at the height that he was cutting at and hits you, no matter if you're wearing a hard hat, you don't make it out of that alive. And a small part of fibre kept attached to the tree, swung it around the tree, bounced off one of the branches and came hurtling towards us. Now at this stage, we can't hear a thing. I'm sitting there with a chainsaw in my hands, cutting this branch up. And Nick's standing about a metre and a half away from me, dragging branches. And all of a sudden, we can't hear a thing, we haven't heard, we haven't seen anything. Nick just drops his branch and takes three steps back. And a second and a half later, exactly where he was, the log hit. Pile drived into the ground and it would have crushed him if he had been there. Now I can tell you to this day, Nick didn't hear a thing. Nick didn't see a thing. 
and it scared the bejeebus out of me because all of a sudden this branch just this big log just thunks down where Nick was and it's just testament there was a little whisper in Nick's ear that just said move so Nick moved and to this day he's alive but at that time Nick was being obedient to the purpose of God and he was running a young adults connect group he was loving on people he was inviting people to, along to his connect group he was trying to get involved in ministry as much as possible and it just shows you when you are obedient to the call of God when you ignore the personal cost when you put God's purpose before your plans for life he is not done with you until he's done with you so you will be okay in the end you will be alright two months after this happened the exact same situation happened on another job site and the man was crushed it was on the news but Nick was okay he's still here he's got a migraine but Panadol will help that and he's still able to serve the kingdom of God he's still able to love on his neighbours and achieve that purpose of making disciples of all nations see when God has a purpose for your life until your purpose is fully achieved God isn't done with you so we're going to go back into a time of worship I want to encourage you if your plans have been becoming before God's if your plans have come before God's purpose it needs to go the other way around you can't fit Jesus into your life your life fits into Jesus' plan for you so we're going to worship and love you just in this moment get it right with God spend some time with God flip it around spend time with your spouse later spend time with your friends later or by yourself later reworking your plans so that God's at the start and his purpose is achieved through your plans is that cool? awesome I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship Lord God I thank you that you died for us and Lord I thank you that you first came as a baby you first came as the most selfless way and God you just wanted to come to love on us be vulnerable with us God I thank you that you had a purpose from the very beginning Lord God I just want to pray that as we go through life as we start to live for you, as we continue to live for you, God, that we would be putting you first, that your purpose for our life would come first, that our plans would come second, God. God, I pray that we'd live for you. And God, that this Christmas season, that we would just be spreading the love and the hope of Jesus, the hope of the gospel. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen.